This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what are the chances of a massive meteor hitting the Earth? Apparently very slim, but it's in the news. Anders C. Ferreira breaks down all of the space news and, because you need to know, spacesuits. Handy Andy Barrar is back on the Shift with gardening tips for normal vegetables and the ones that are a little bit funky and smokable. Plus, interesting ways Home Depot is protecting power tools from getting stolen and resold. We introduce you to Nep here on the Chef Daily Podcast. He's a Donald Trump impersonator. He will be our American correspondent on the Canadian election. It's going to be huge. You're going to love it. Uh, and it's all coming up on the Chef Daily Podcast. It'll be tremendous. All right. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, though. How about that? So regardless of the way it goes, we're going to stay on top of this here on the Shift. And... Um, What's going on? What? What is that? That's uh, that's the American anthem. Is that your so phone just, going off? No, that's the private. Like that's our private line going off. What? Who got that? All right, so that's weird. I don't know who would have that phone number. That's that's pretty private. Okay, well let's um let's answer the private line here and see what's going on. Hi, it's the shift. Hello, is this uh, Shane Hewitt? Uh, yeah, this is Shane Hewitt. Who's calling? This is the. Former president, uh, number 45, Donald John Trump. And frankly, I was calling because, you know, I heard you had somewhat of an election. Uh, it's true. Yeah, we have a we have an election that is coming our way here. Um, is this uh, I mean, I guess, I, I guess even when you're not president, you, you keep in, uh, in touch with all of these things, I suppose. You know, Shane, I keep in touch with a lot of things, a lot of things, really, when you look at it. I mean, you ask any politician in the history of the world, nobody knows more about Canada than I do. Believe me when I say that. Not even floppy hair Trudeau, they call him. <laughs> well, he does have nice hair. I'll give you that. Um, so, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Donald Trump, are you are you looking for work here? Because we don't really have the salary to bring someone else on. I mean, uh, if you're a little short on change, whatever, I mean. We could certainly help you here if you want to uh, get your worry a little bored. Maybe golf season's not working out for you. You know, Shane, I thought maybe I could take on a, you know, a permanent position on the show and possibly could be on for the next few years. And I'd take, you know, a salary of, you know, a very high amount, you know, someone call a small loan, really, you know, a few million dollars every year. You know, I think I think we can seal the deal, really. That sounds like a that sounds like a fan, uh, fantastic idea. So maybe some uh, inside scoop. Can you can you help us understand uh, what these politicians are thinking and maybe interpret what's going on so we can find who is the best leader for Canada? You know, Shane, I think the politicians we have in Canada, the phony, the phony politicians. And frankly, you know, I think they're terrible. They've done a terrible job. And I've been thinking lately about running for prime minister or president, whatever you want to call it. I have no idea. But whoever the leader is in Canada, I want to be that guy. The Canadian people, they love me. Okay, they love me. You can call in to everybody and they love me. They say that. Okay, uh, this is a good deal. I'm going to have to run this by HR, obviously, because um, millions and millions of salary is uh, it's going to be a tough one to slide by. But if it's you, uh, Donald Trump, I'm 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 happy to to run that by the bosses. Uh, maybe we can connect here and have my people get in touch with your people and and whoever those people are. And 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 we can I don't know. I don't know what you say in political land. Use our red phones or our bat phones and connect. 
That sounds great, Shane. I, I would really enjoy, you know, getting to be on the show, frankly, you know. Uh, the 47th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, uh, on the shift. Okay, there it is. That's the answer. Uh, thank you for calling, Mr. Trump. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's election time. I know, just like many of you, I'm frustrated that we have to talk politics. Politics can be exhausting, I know, but we have to have some fun. And luckily, here on the shift, we have stumbled across something that we think is going to help make this election a lot more fun for everyone. It's to bring in an inside, an outside voice, rather, an American voice from someone who can put together the most entertaining and somehow accurate Donald Trump impersonation I've ever heard in my life. Nep TV, Nep on YouTube. Buddy, how, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm 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 fantastic. Why don't, you, why don't you give the shift heads a little bit of a teaser of what your your Donald Trump impersonation really sounds like? You know, the viewers and the listeners of the shift are really great people, really, you know, when they're tuning in. And frankly, they do a great job when they tune in. Really? Oh, I try not to just scream laugh there. So it's a fantastic. So the cool thing about this story is I stumbled across your content through TikTok. A specific TikTok where you hopped on the the trend of the Chug Jug song, which was a Fortnite terrible parody song. You were able to sing to that. And so, you know, uh, I know you'd been doing the Trump voice a little bit before that TikTok. But when that went viral, because it went pretty friggin viral, was that kind of when you realized I should be using this voice as a way to make comedy? Or was that kind of the plan already? Well, uh, to some extent, it was the plan already. I'd been making videos on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> and that, uh, that idea for that TikTok just came to me. And when I was watching uh, someone else do a duet of that, and they were just singing it normally, and I thought, uh, you know, I do a decent Trump impression. Like, how funny would that be if I uh, did Trump sings Chug Jug with you, you know, the Fortnite mm-hmm. parody, so dumb. And I... I was living with my roommate at the time and I said something to him about it. And he's like, yeah, that might be funny. And I was like, oh, you know, might as well try it. And I did it. And, and him and I just couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And I was like, I have to post this. I don't care. You know, gets 10, li- uh, 10 likes, you know, a couple of views, but it, I mean, it just, I put my phone down, went to bed and woke up and had at least a million views at that point. And it wasn't done yet. Yeah. Crazy how fast that happens on there. So, okay, so you had already been doing the Trump impersonation by then. When did you discover, how did you discover that you could impersonate the president? Um, I'd say as early back as probably the primaries when he got up there and he was just kind of taking the stage and talking, you know, going crazy, you know, lying dead Cruz and, you know, yeah. saying stuff about Jeb Bush. And I just... Something about that appealed to me of how like unique his voice was and how yeah. he would just go after people. I just thought it was so funny. And so I'd start doing it to friends and family, you know, as like a joke. I wasn't, you know, trying to practice it. And then after a while, I had done it to friends and family so much as a joke or, you know, in the car by myself. I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to start playing video games and talking to people like that. Um, and then when I started getting reactions from that, I was like, I have to like and people were saying I was doing a good job. I was like, I, I actually have a good impression. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to market it. Yeah, it's like a yeah. business. So what's the, what is the reaction when you're, let's say you're playing Call of Duty, 
you know, I, one of my favorite moments is when the guys tell you to get out of spawn and you say, we'll get out of spawn when Hillary releases her emails, you know? So when the moments like that happen, what does the reaction from the player kind of mean to you in that moment? Um, it means a lot of things. I mean, it means, you know, when they pick up on the impression I'm doing, you know, it's telling me I'm doing a good job if they recognize yep. who I'm doing and I don't, I, I get a kick out of it personally. I, I love it. Um, and you know, I do it to make other people laugh, but at the same time, it makes me laugh. Uh, oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's very infectious. And I, I guess the, the question, a lot of people are going to hear this and think that is dead on. How do I do a Donald Trump impersonation like that? Um, I mean, honestly, I would just say, um, listen to his voice a lot, maybe watch some videos on how he Mm -hmm. talks. And honestly, I would start with his phrases. He says all the time, he goes, you know, he talks about tremendous and China, you know, we're we're sending people over the businesses are going to China. They're going to Mexico. And, you know, talking about walls. I mean, he has all the stuff he says all the time. If you nail those down, I think you can branch out and try other words. Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I dated someone who her mom was Scottish. I couldn't do a Scottish accent beforehand, but mm. she, her mom had a thick Scottish accent. I would just listen to it all the time. And eventually now my Scottish accent went from sounding like a weird hybrid of Northern Ireland and Australian to maybe a little bit of Scottish. So that do- <laughs> that technique does work. It does. Mm-hmm. So uh, the announcement, which is exciting, is that Annette will be joining the shift to help us out throughout this election. How will he be doing that? Well, you're going to be using that voice and using the character of Donald Trump to help us get a bigger lens on how uh, the election looks to, <laughs> to maybe Donald Trump, and, uh, you know, Americans as a whole. And I mean, where do you where do you want to take that this voice? Where do you want to take this character for yourself? You know, is this long term or do you see impressions as a whole kind of the goal here? Um, I mean, I've looked at it at a lot of different angles. And honestly, I always want to do a Trump impression um, because, you know, I'm good at it. Why not? And it makes yeah. people laugh as long as people are laughing. I'm cool with it. But uh, eventually I do want to broaden out into more um, just plain old comedy or even other impressions if I can, you know, learn any. But yeah, definitely going to keep doing it and, you know, yeah. try new stuff. Well, it's, it is tremendous. It is fantastic. It's and- tremendous, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're really excited to have you on the show in the coming weeks to give us more of an American perspective on the Canadian election through the voice of the strangest president in the history of the United States. I have one favor to ask. Mm -hmm. There is this quote from our prime minister where he, he was talking about wearing a mask and talking with a mask on. And he says, I quote, speaking moistly. My question to you is how would Donald Trump say speaking moistly, you know, Canada, it's time to speak moistly. Like, what would that sound like? You know, Justin Trudeau over in Canada, you know, that's real North of the U S you know, he speaks with a moist mouth really is when he, when he speaks and the spit flying. I think that's why he wears the mask because, you know, it's very, you know, not sanitary. They call it. Nailed it. I don't <laughs> 
Nailed it. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we are going to get you back on the show in the coming weeks as we unleash Tonal Drumpf to the listeners. We can't wait for it. Uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and plug all the Twitch street li- live streaming where you play video games live in the Trump voice, plus your TikTok. Go ahead and tell people where they can reach you at. All right. So, yeah, uh, you can find my live streams on Twitch at the NEP. That's T-H-E-K-N-E-P. And then on TikTok, same username. So, yeah, fantastic. All right. Head on over. If you want to get a teaser trailer of how amazing this is going to be, you can check it out there. Thanks again, buddy. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. It's the shift podcast. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird. He loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's weird science. I know there is nothing more exciting than rocks in space. It's true. Yeah. Okay. You're out of the cage, Andrew. We can, uh, we can set you free. Are you there? Good. I, I, every time, every time we talk about rocks in space, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta specifically dedicate whatever we're talking about to that one guy who hates it. Whenever I would come on and talk about space. Uh, this is for you, buddy. <laughs> this is for uh, anyway. Hi. Yeah, I'm good. Hi. Yes. Thank you for spending some time here with all of your newly found busy schedule. I appreciate uh, you very much, but they've had some space news, Andrew. And I thought we would dig into it. There's always a little bit of space. A little bit of space. Um, Apparently, we're all going to die. Yeah, well, what else is new? Right. We're we're all going to die from what, you know, everything ever, you know, everything. Everything will kill us all the time. time. Forever. It's going to kill us. Uh, In this particular case of it's going to kill us, uh, people are worried about the asteroid Bennu. Um, And if that name is familiar to you, I'll I'll, I'll touch on why in a sec here. but, you know, the odds of it uh, hitting Earth have gone up. Um, and, of course, this has led to a landslide of clickbaity uh, articles where it's like, this asteroid's going to come dangerously close or, you know, it's heading for Earth. But I hate that one because, yeah, it's heading for Earth. It's heading in the general direction of Earth. Um, anyway, the odds of Bennu um, hitting the Earth is about one in somewhere around 1,750 or 1,800. Really? Uh, depending on the sources that you look at, um, I like using uh, NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratories, uh, Handy Dandy Center for Near Earth Object Studies Sentry Database. Uh, it just kind of, it's an automatic catalog that keeps track of stuff that they think might do some bad things to our planet. Um, and looking at the odds on it, I'm going to going to use some numbers here i know numbers are scary i understand um Bennu's impact probability um is according to uh jpl uh, one in 1800 um now i guess in the grand scheme of things that's a lot better than you know per se winning the lottery mm-hmm. um you know those are pretty good odds but to give you you know uh, another way to look at this that's a 99.943 percent chance it's just gonna miss oh well, when you say it that way, right? Um, those X and Y odds of impact, you know, they're good for spooking you and making great clickbaity headlines. Uh, they're not so great at really demonstrating the risk where something with a, you know, as low, I say in air quotes, as one in 1800, it's almost 99.95% chance it's going to whatever. Um, and it's not even, you know, the most dangerous thing out there, honestly. Really? 
Like it's not, it's yeah, it's not in the top five. Okay. Well, um, we got to remember to get to those most dangerous things out there. So here we are with an astro asteroid flying around. Um, this one orbits the sun. Generally, they figure it's going to yep. sort of let go and make its way one day. And Ben Affleck's going to save us. Uh, perhaps Ben Affleck might save us. I mean, that would be kind of handy and super cool of Ben Affleck. Um, but like all things in the solar system, except for the odd thing that people think is an alien spacecraft, uh, it orbits the sun. Uh, or moons and some asteroids. They do funky things. Uh, but Bennu kind of also orbits the sun and its path around the sun. Essentially, if I was to try and explain this percentage even better, uh, there is a 0.057% chance that this asteroid's path will cross the Earth's. Wow. Um, in such a way that it that where it crosses, the Earth will be there. Okay. Right. Uh, it's important to remember that space is a little bit big. Um, you know, it's like if you took all of Saskatchewan, but it was bigger, that's how big space <laughs> is. Um, like, like I said, these odds are, are really minuscule and I'm going to throw some fun things that you can use around your, uh, zoom water cooler meeting. Um, the, the Palermo scale value for Bennu, uh, is negative 1.42 and all the Palermo scale measures essentially, um, it's a very super uh, fancy logarithmic scale that astronomers use to um, figure out how, you know, potentially dangerous or hazardous any given, you know, piece of space rock is. Um, generally, um, Palermo scales between minus two and zero are kind of the, we need to keep an eye on this because there's, you know, a non-zero chance a significantly non-zero chance that something may happen here and so Bennu's Palermo scale falls between that range it's minus 1.42 um that indicates you know it has definitely the potential um of hitting the earth and if it does there will be damage of course uh but to put it into perspective uh Bennu is about the size of the Empire State Building if it was a giant pile of rock um, and so if that did say impact and the example you see used a lot is, you know, the Eastern seaboard, because that's where everybody in North America lives. Nobody lives anywhere right. else. Um, if Bennu was to hit the Eastern seaboard, the kind of devastation you would see would essentially be limited to up and down the East coast. Um, you know, if you lived in Kansas, probably be fine. Right. If you lived in, you know, Toronto, even you might, you know, maybe some things would be on fire, but you know, you'd probably be fine. Um, so even though, you know, it's a scary thing to say, oh, this asteroid's coming to Earth, this is nothing like, uh, you know, the, the rock that uh, wiped out the dinosaurs or, you know, um, other famous rocks from movies that threatened to wipe out all of humanity and everything living on the planet. Um, you know, it's very likely that even if this does hit the Earth, which again, 99.94, whatever, 3% chance it will not, um, it just, you know, impacts somewhere in the, in, you know, Siberia, for instance, and it in that case, it might really not affect anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's really important to bring these kinds of things uh, into perspective. But I do want to touch on why Bennu might be familiar before I get into the actual things to watch out for list. Um, uh, Bennu is the asteroid that NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission uh, went and touched down and vacuumed up some samples. Um, and these samples are actually slated to be on the ground here on Earth um, in September 2023, so just about two years from now. 
um, the spacecraft is already on its way back. And part of the reason why these odds of impact went up are because of the measurements that OSIRIS-REx took of Bennu's trajectory. Um, because of it, they, we were able, scientists, not me, I, I can't do this, were able to uh, fine-tune the odds. Um, and so, you know, besides the whole, okay, now we have a better idea of whether or not this rock or rubble pile, however you want to call it, is actually dangerous. It's also probably got on board, you know, anywhere between 60 and two kilos, uh, 60 grams and 2000 grams of space rock and dust from this thing, which scientists on earth are going to study and analyze, which is going to be cool. Um, but I do want to bring it back because like I said, this is not the most dangerous thing out there in terms of pure probability, right? In terms of Palermo scale, if it, you know, taking into account its probability and the ability it has to do damage. Um, it's one of the most dangerous things out there. Um, coming in again at minus 1.42. And again, between minus two and zero, those are the values where we kind of go, okay, we should take a look at it. There's only two uh, space rocks out there that have a Palermo scale above minus two. Uh, Bennu is one at minus 1.42. And then the very catchy uh, 29075 bracket 1950 DA bracket. Like that name. Um, right uh we've jpl has it at one potential impact around the year 2880 so you know we've got 800 ish years before this um it's currently got a uh one in 8300 odds of impact again that's a 99.988 percent chance nothing will happen mm -hmm. um and this also has a palermo scale of minus 1.42 now the big thing with this one is the reason why even though its odds are a lot lower its palermo value is the same as bennu is because if this thing hits, this thing is almost three times the size of Bennu. Uh, its estimated diameter is 1.3 kilometers. Uh, if that thing hit the eastern seaboard, we're looking at uh, a lot of bad. Like nothing living in a radius of a few hundred kilometers of wherever it hits. Wow. Um, and then, you know, rounding out the list, those are the only two rocks that are above that kind of benchmark minus 0.2 Palermo scale value. Uh, there's a few more rocks that are in like the mid minus twos. Um, one of them, they're looking at 217 potential impacts from this rock starting in 2029. Um, but the odds of, uh, it's called 2010 MZ112. I know, very catchy. Right. This is a one in 91,000 odds. Uh, so that's a 99.9989% chance that nothing nothing will happen. Um, and after that, you know, the, the list really drops off. If you remember when they discovered, you might remember the asteroid Apophis supposed to swing by earth with like a, you know, like a 4% chance of hitting the earth, which is huge compared to all of these ones. I remember, might remember when that was discovered, people were flipping out um, when that was um, discovered. It's something like it's, it's Palermo value was something like 1.1. Uh, it was above zero, uh, which is a bad thing. Uh, we've studied it more since 2004 and it now poses zero risk. Oh, essentially. Really? It is not, it's not even on this top 20 list of, uh, or top 25 list of dangerous rocks. It is not even there. Um, it, that's just how far it's fallen off. And so as we see with a lot of rocks and, as we understand it, how big space is. Um, generally, when you first discover something, we will overestimate its potential impact on the Earth. And as we get better at doing math on fancy graphing calculators, we see, oh, wait, that's not very likely, is it? Um, so, you know, don't worry about it. And like I said, 
uh, Benu swing buys, you know, they're, it, it's not even expected for another 150 years. So me and you and everyone listening, except for some crazy mad scientists, will be dead by then. Um, so we won't have to worry about that. Uh, in the, let me bring it up again, the 0.057% chance that it impacts the Earth. And these numbers are always going to be changing, always going to be being refined as we get closer to it. Um, so whenever you see those clickbaity headlines, just remember, if there was something like big enough to cause a lot of damage heading for Earth with any relative certainty, um, some random Facebook account will not be the first one to notify you. <laughs> yeah, right. Just tell you you'll that. get an alert on your phone. Yeah, you'll get, a, you know, you'll get something like, well, we had a good run. Might as well just crack open a cold one and uh, sit back and watch the world end. Tap out now. Okay, cool. So it, to that point, it seems like this is not the only thing that's delaying us these days. There was some more chatter about spacesuits and getting um, all of those not being ready either. Yeah. So you might remember that uh, the Trump administration, uh, one of their kind of um, shining beacon achievements, if you will, um, was the establishment of the Artemis program. Um, NASA's renewed push to land people on the moon. Um, and they wanted to get this done by 2024. And as we draw closer, you know, we're eight months into 2021 now. It's not looking great. It's not looking super great. Um, there's a lot of delays. The space launch system, NASA's rocket, is just horrifically behind schedule and horrifically over budget. Um, all sorts of key little bits like the Lunar Gateway, that's only being finalized in terms of funding now. Uh, whether or not these things get into space and whether or not they function, that's you know just a lot of question marks. Uh, Gateway's funding, uh, its funding got cut. And this is because we needed more money for the spacesuits, which are kind of important. Uh, if the astronaut does not have a spacesuit in space, they die. And it's very not good. Um, so NASA's new spacesuit, uh, which they were hoping to have for 2024, uh, doesn't look like it's going to be ready for 2024. There's just been so many difficulties in getting everything right. Uh, and the thing with spacesuits is there is no margin for error. You know, there isn't a, you know, oh, my shirt's a little bit big because I didn't pay attention to the, you know, the instruct, the, the hieroglyphic instructions on the tag telling me how to wash it. Um, this is like, you know, this cannot go wrong. Like by the time these spacesuits are done uh, and they're now projecting, you know, they're hoping still 2024, uh, this entire project for creating the spacesuits is going to be more than a billion dollars just for these. Really? Um, and, it, and it's important to remember that spacesuits, are essentially miniaturized personal spaceships for people. Um, they do all the functions of a spaceship. They provide propellant, oxygen, pressurized air, uh, just on a much more personal level. And the reason why they want to get these done is because they're going to offer uh, an entirely new, more you know, dexterous spacesuit for astronauts to be able to better manipulate fine objects with their hands, be able to be less bulky, take up less room. These are all important things for next generation spacesuits. You may remember a famous video of uh, Apollo astronauts kind of bunny hopping, um, you know, across the surface of the moon. And this isn't because it was cute and we wanted to see that. Um, it's because they, in those spacesuits, you couldn't really bend over. You couldn't really squat right? The, the motions involved with jumping, just, you couldn't really do. Uh, and these brand new suits will allow this, but there's just been so many setbacks and difficulties. Um, and 
little bits that snowball. And this is the thing with all, uh, you know, frontier science, little, little mistakes, little errors, little oversights um, have this nasty habit of becoming much, much worse uh, over time. And so, you know, not that, you know, I think the Artemis program is doomed. I think we're absolutely going to be sending people to the moon. Uh, but by 2024, uh, I'm not sure that NASA can do it without heavily relying on private industry now, because the private industry has, you know, pardon the pun, really taken off um, with regards to, you know, you look at SpaceX's, you know, look at their spacesuits. They're super fancy looking. They're very, you know, functional. They're not at the same NASA spec that they want. But SpaceX has demonstrated that they work for, you know, uh, not necessarily spacewalks, but for, uh, you know, pressurized containment inside a vacuum uh, and all that good stuff. So I, I don't know if 2024 is still uh, a possible, you know, goal for NASA itself. But I think they might, if they really desperate on making this a completely government funded NASA only thing, uh, which I, I don't think they are, uh, they're going to have to rely on public, on private industry to help supplement the, you know, the bits and pieces where they fall short. Andrew C. Ferreira, thank you very much for the spacey insight, buddy. Always. This is the Shift Podcast. We've got Disco Andy on deck. Yeah, baby. Groovy, baby. There he is. The shirtless wonder. <laughs> HandyAndyMedia.com. Andy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Shane? I'm lovely. Thank you for asking, and thank you for wearing a shirt today. <laughs> it's a, the one time it was a heat dome, okay? You're never going to let nope. let it go. You I also am, went to I Vegas am, one time, and now you're Disco Andy, so it's the way it I works. Know, I know. It's, I, I, make, I make bad decisions all, uh, often, and uh, often. It, 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 <laughs> it never uh, leaves me. That's the only issue. There's a text that comes in for Handy Andy. It says, ask Andy Barrar how his sunflowers are doing. So how are your sunflowers? Oh, so some critter decided to bite the head of my sunflower. And so I, it, it's gone. It like literally it was leaning over because the head was getting big, right? So then I put a, a, a stake in there and I tied it up to like keep it up. And then I went to water it one day and the head's gone. Like the completely some I don't know if it was a squirrel or if it was a raccoon or something just Pretty bit it squirrel. right off. It's something. Now I need to put like a sunflower cam just to like you know guard my <laughs> sunflower. Like this is what I'm already thinking about next year because I'm just so stubborn, Shane. When something doesn't work, I don't give up. I just like modify. It's like the the Roadrunner. Remember that cartoon? How he's always modifying his design. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's pretty much. That's pretty much. Oh, Wild Coyote. That was him. He yep. did that. Wiley and, Coyote. Uh, um, Wiley Coyote. Although yeah. I would, I would draw an exception to that because when you say when something goes wrong, I modify. That is often known as I steal my neighbors. So I don't know why you're offended that someone stole your sunflower when you've been known to steal electricity and internet from your neighbors from time to time. No, no. Well, I, that was a whole different case. I lost my internet <laughs> and I needed, I needed to get connected. So I thought of a nice, you know, it's called power line. Yes. You and adapted. It and it worked. It worked. You adapted and you modified. See what I'm saying? Um, okay. Well, let's get an update on the garden in general. Is it overflowing with the uh, kale and lettuce like it was last year? The blueberries are dead and uh, the weed is a growing business. So, okay. So the, 
the vegetable garden, what I'm trying to do is collect seeds. And I think I've had success. So some of the peas I did not harvest and I kept them and they, they went yellow. And so I kept them and I got the seeds and I just planted it to see if they're going to germinate because I'm, I'm curious if I actually got it right. Some of the kale seeds, I left it. Like if you leave your vegetables just to like flower, it's really interesting. Like I got lettuce, Shane, not, not even kidding, four feet tall. It's lettuce, but it's four feet tall because it's like flowering right now. And so I'm just leaving it. Now all all of my neighbors are like, you know, you should take that out. And I'm like, no, see, you guys all take that out. But if I could collect these seeds from these, like from the lettuce and and the kale, like this is perpetual for the rest of my life. I'll have seeds like for Mm -hmm. the rest of the generations of my family. I'm going to like someone in like a hundred years is like your great grandfather, handy, Andy collected these seeds and he's been keeping it in the family don't lose it make sure you 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 plant them and collect seeds although i'm a little confused when you were talking about your lettuce being four feet tall were we still talking about kale and lettuce or were we talking about your weed plants no no we're not the the cannabis plants okay so here's another thing i have another reason why my lettuce plants are four feet tall is because if you walk down the street and look into my backyard there's a greenhouse but my cannabis plants are also now like four feet tall. So I have to have the lettuce plants. I have to keep them up so that you can't see the cannabis plants from the street. Because that's one of the rules about when you can grow your own cannabis is it can't be visible from the street. So It's also not supposed to be taller than a meter, I'm pretty sure, too. <laughs> uh, well, the, it's been a lot of sun in this greenhouse. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's been a lot of sun this year. Um, but the heat... Next thing you know, RCMP is going to be kicking down doors and... <laughs> We'll be like, oh, sorry, that was not. No, no. Like I said, Shane, I don't break the rules. I see the line and I just hug it really, really close. So um, everything, everything's up and legal in, in what I'm doing, and um, I highly encourage other people to to just try growing <laughs> stuff. You know, start with lettuce. I'm I'm gonna do a fall garden, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I've already started nope. uh, spinach. I got I got like five varieties of spinach. Believe it or not. And uh, I just started it, so I'll give I'll give some updates on if I could actually grow in the fall. Something I've never done before, but I'm trying to extend the gardening season and pretty much just like November, December, maybe January and February. I think are the only months I'm gonna shut her down. But cross my fingers. Hopefully, I can okay. do this. The reason why I was laughing was because Ryan made air quotes legal. Um, as you said that, which was pretty funny. And I would like to remind everyone else in Canada that does not go at that growing season that, um, Andy's in Surrey, so he's in the lower mainland. And that's what life is like there. Okay. Uh, and not only does Andy DIY his, um, his, his gardens and steal his neighbor's internet and electricity, he also does like to talk about gadgets too. So let's get into some of the gadget things. Uh, quickly, let's touch on this. Uh, series of foldables from Galaxy. By the way, did you get to keep one? Because I would really like one. No, no. I gotta, I gotta talk to Samsung and see if they'll uh, let me try out these new, these new um, devices that they've come out. So they they announced the Fold Three and the Flip Three. So the thing about smartphone Shane is they they all look the same right now, and it all started with Steve Jobs when he introduced the iPhone. Before that, we had whole different types of form factors for cell phones back then. That's what they were, cell phones. But once they became smart, they all had this that typical screen that we see on, a, on an iPhone or an Android phone. Well, what Samsung is doing, and I give them 
a lot of credit because they always take risks. They're trying to bring back the flip phone. They're trying to create a folding phone. So they're almost going to the past to look into the future. But it's been a long time coming because we need more variety in the type of mobile devices that we have. And this is the third iteration of the flip three and the fold three. So all of those mistakes that they've had in like the first couple of versions, like you never want to buy the first version of any tech product. But now that it's at the third version, the price is coming down. I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see more and more people experiment and try different types of phones. What I'm curious is if they can get someone like you, who's a diehard Apple fan, longtime Apple user, to make that switch if they can introduce a phone that is different from what Apple does. And that's the big challenge I think Samsung has because you, you of course, want to retain your, your customers, but you also want to gain new ones. And if they can do that, you know, they might have a hit and take away some of the shares from Apple users. I do like the, uh, the flip one. I would, I would, I would get into that if I, if I, I've been thinking about getting a second number anyway, you know, to one number for, for Andy and one number for everyone else. Um, uh, that's a good way to go. I like it. I like the idea. It's cool stuff. Um, and it's been a long time since I had a Samsung and the cameras are amazing. Okay. Shoplifting. Tell me about shoplifting. Uh, so Home Depot has got a big issue of shoplifters and not just like your, your petty little shoplifters, but organized crime that are getting people to shoplift for certain devices that actually have a high resale value online. So what Home Depot is doing is they're going to try to prevent shoplifters from stealing power tools because they won't work if they're stolen. And they're using Bluetooth technology right at the checkout. Somehow, when you bring the, the, the power tool to the checkout, they're using Bluetooth to suddenly like deactivate it or activate it so that you could use it after you leave the store. But if it doesn't go through that checkout and, you know, get use that Bluetooth, uh, it's not going to work. And so this is a really uh, ingenious use of what's called low Bluetooth low energy, where you can put these little devices and you see them all the time now where you can track devices um, using Bluetooth. But now they're doing it at the checkout. And I think this might be a hit, Shane, because the other security methods like locking everything up, that doesn't help you know, with your customers when you're in there and you want to look at a, a certain item and it's right. all locked up. So this could be something that um, might might stick around and it might be finally a great use of Bluetooth technology to foil shoplifters. Well, isn't that the case with power tools? You want to hold them? Are they heavy? How do they feel? You know, that that's a that's a real thing for people. And, and when you look at like the online marketplaces right now, whether it's Craigslist, Kijiji, Facebook marketplace, it's really, really easy to resell those stolen items. And that's why there's a big demand out there because these are high selling items. If you can sell like a, a very expensive power tool for half the price, you know, someone out there will probably buy it. What is also interesting in terms of power tools is the power tool companies themselves are making them connect to Wi-Fi networks and to your smartphone and work with an app. So if you are on, say, a work site and you have your tools, you're going to be able to track the location of your tools all inside your phone because hmm. theft of tools is a huge issue. You go to any work site and people will tell you that they've had their tools stolen. This might be, you know, no one really thought that power tools would get high tech, but as soon as they became battery powered, 
now you're going to see more and more technology in these power tools and hopefully they can combat the theft of power tools because that's an ongoing problem on many job sites across Canada. You know what? I learned a valuable lesson. I went uh, all in on Ryobi tools on a set that all matched. And what happened is they stopped making the batteries and the batteries all died. And now I have an entire set that there are no batteries for. If you go look for these tools online, you'll find them for dirt cheap. You can buy the skill saw. You can buy the drill. You can buy all of it for for great prices. Reason why? Nobody can get batteries that fit and work. The next generation don't fit the old generation of tools. Well, see, I feel scammed. That that is not a good idea. See, the I use Dewalt tools, and their batteries are actually interchangeable. So whether you have their big batteries or even the small ones, they all work. But something like that, if that happened to me, yeah, that's. You know, as as a brand, they got to be able to, you know, keep their customers by providing back end support for the older tools. That that's just sad to hear. I never even knew they did that. Yeah, it's terrible. I I, I to the point where I'm looking at, um, not even like good, just going back to corded at this point because it's crazy. I'd rather go get like a dollar store cordless screwdriver, and just let that die in a year for twenty nine ninety nine than it is to. Uh, to spend all this money on tools again because they're all dead. The whole bag is dead. Can't use it. Sucks. Yeah, that's uh, now, now you're scaring me because all of my tools now are battery powered. I yeah. have a battery powered table saw, chop saw, chainsaw, miter saw, uh, receptacle saw. Like everything is battery powered. And the, the benefit is that you don't have to keep buying the, the batteries because they're mm-hmm. interchangeable. But if they don't support it well that defeats the whole purpose so fingers crossed dewalt don't let me down don't be a ryobi and uh not support like the old batteries me. all right uh handyandymedia.com for all the videos and uh, blog posts that andy does post do you have uh cordless battery powered shaving technology there big fella based on that well, scruffy face here as i'm saying no <laughs> Well, I'm starting to grow a beard again, but I've been trying to figure out how to save money on shaving because these disposable, you know, shavers, they, they add up and I got like really thick hair, so I can't buy the cheap kind. I always have to get like the high end kind. So I recently reviewed this shaver from Panasonic. It's a wet dry shaver. And the interesting thing about it is it's one of those corded ones that are battery powered. And I've always uh, assumed like these are what like old men use, but now I'm kind of like a middle-aged man. So it seems fitting that I would try one of these and, and they work really good because you can actually use like your shaving lather you can shave in the shower. It's waterproof, but you could also do it when you're dry. So say you're stuck in traffic, you might as well uh, sh- be, that you know, guy. be one of those guys. The, the only thing about it, Shane, uh, I can say that from my review of one of these shavers it doesn't do around your nose very good. You can't get like up there. There's still hair that's going to be left alone. So I, I'm not 100% um, sold on these unless you're clean shaven. I think they're great because it's a quick way to get a shave. But otherwise, you might still need to have a razor here and there just to get onto the tricky areas like right under your nose. Because some of these shavers, even though they do contour to the face and they they kind of go back and forth and even have beard sensing technology to to go faster or slower based upon the density of your beard in certain areas on your face these are all great tech but it's just can't get that little hair under my nose so i still oh, guess tough i'm gonna stick when you make razor. that funny face right yes yes what's and your, I had what's to your, film what's the your funny shaving face 
Oh, it was, <laughs> I have a, I have many funny, funny shaving faces because I use I two it. hands too, to make it nice and tight to, to try to, <laughs> so to try get it. I would like to, uh, I'd like to apologize to Ryan O'Donnell and his baby face right now. Cause there are four people on this call and three of them have beards. And I, Ryan, thank you for being so patient okay. with us. It's okay. I, I still get ID'd at the bar all the time. So yeah. you're, you're, right. you're a young buck, right? You're still a it's young flattering. Buck. Yep. It is flattering. All right. Uh, HandyAndyMedia.com. Andy Barrar, thank you very much for being here on The Shift. As always, go check out his blogs and his video posts and probably him shirtless skipping on the website. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure. See you next week. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.